0: Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies.
1: Greenlight Guru is committed to improving the quality of life, and now we're ready to improve the quality of education and training in the medical device industry. Greenlight Guru Academy is a comprehensive training resource for anyone looking to learn industry best practices with actionable training from industry experts. You'll get on-demand courses that allow you to move at your own pace on topics related to quality and regulatory product development, design controls, risk management, doc control. Honestly, it's too many to fit into a short ad. So if you're ready to level up your medical device education, visit greenlight.guru forward slash academy today. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Etienne Nichols, and I'm the host of today's episode. In today's episode, I got to speak with Mark Alpert on the topic of ISO certifications and what the journey looks like after achieving ISO certification. And kind of the background from this is he just received ISO 9001 and ISO 27001 certifications. So we wanted to talk about that. What's the next steps? Mark Alpert is the Director of Quality at Greenlight Guru, and he has a background working for a notified body and was most recently the Vice President of the Business Assurance Division for the TUV SUD America. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about things like how the best companies are using their quality system as a competitive advantage and the difference between ISO 1345 and ISO 9001 certification and the steps companies should be making and taking immediately after achieving that certification and much more. So Without further ado, please enjoy this episode with Mark Alpert on achieving ISO certification. Hey everyone, welcome back. This is Etienne Nichols, the host of today's episode. Today with me is Mark Alpert. Uh, Mark and I, we get to work together every now and then. It's always a treat. We have like a TGIF, it's not TGIF, it's TGIM. We're always thankful that Mark is on the team, on the Guru side. So I'll just give a quick, so Mark is the Director of Quality here at Greenlight Guru. And we've just achieved some major milestones at Greenlight Guru, but and I want to talk about why that is. It's going to be applicable to you as a medical device company. We're going to take a little bit of a circuitous route, but first of all, Mark, glad you're on the podcast. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great, NTN, Thanks so much for having me. It's uh, this. This is I'm excited about this. Great topic to to share with our our listeners.
1: Yeah. And I mentioned I mentioned the milestones. I didn't say what they were, but we have achieved ISO 9001 and ISO 27001. I don't know if you want to talk about maybe a little bit about what those are and why do we even need those? What led to this point?
0: Yeah, I'd be happy to. So ISO 9001, for those who don't know, is kind of a version of ISO 1345. So all of our customers who manufacture or produce medical devices or in the medical device industry needs to comply with the requirements of 13485, very specific to the medical device industry. We're a software development company. Although all our customers think we're a medical device manufacturer, we're not. It's just all our customers happen to be medical device companies. But we don't fall within the scope of 13485. We're a software development. We develop SaaS products. And so we fall into the scope more of ISO 9001 which defines the more the general requirements for a quality management system, and so very horizontal standard. 9001 can be applied to so many different industries, industry segments, and so many different kinds of companies. Where 1345 is really kind of more vertical and addresses specifically our customers and the medical device industry. ISO 27001, just to throw that in, because it may be less familiar to uh, to our audience. That's the uh, criteria, or the requirements that are defined for an information security management system. So kind of the, it's ISO 9001 as a foundation, plus the additional requirements for companies who need to protect data or have data that want to maintain the integrity, the security, and the availability of that data. And of course, for our customers who are populating our, utilizing our platform for Really, a lot of their IP and a lot of their critical information, their d- design history files, their internal processes, employee, maybe customer, maybe supplier information. They want to know their data safe and they want to know it's accessible and we're doing all we can do and so uh, to protect that data for them. And so that was why we decided to pursue ISO 27001 along with our QMS.
1: So essentially, our customers should have a lot more. Well, hopefully they already had some faith in us, but this is just that next level.
0: It's exactly right. It's making sure that we're doing the right things in terms of data security. And so most companies will maybe pursue them individually. We took a because we kind of had the luxury of starting from scratch. So we took a more integrated approach and we created one comprehensive management system that complies with both 9001 and 27001. All in one fell swoop, had our certification body in and, and went through the pain of our our certification audit and and came out the other end successful. But it's uh, it it makes for a more comprehensive approach for what to help meet our customers' needs.
1: Yeah. So you come from a notified body background. So I'm curious. I don't know that I want you to necessarily air green light crew's dirty laundry, but what was I don't know the good, the bad, the ugly as you went through that process. What were some of the challenges and what and some of the things that you thought were pretty impressive?
0: Yeah, so fine line between what those things were uh, yeah. that, I, that I perceived as a challenge and, and what was impressive. I think, like most companies, what drew me to Greenlight was the fact that they weren't certified. So two pieces. One, now here's a company in the quality management system space. <laughs> which we, our product is a platform that helps customers comply with these requirements, yet not necessarily implemented internally. And so as a young company being so focused on designing with new features and supporting our customers and getting new customers and supporting their implementation, kind of the whole internal operations, you know, right, nobody was nobody was really focused on that until the company got to a certain size until our customer base grew to the point where they started asking some questions about, hey, how are you controlling your processes internally? What assurance can you provide me that there's reliability and repeatability and, you know, you're addressing defects within your system? I was like, oh. Well, it's time for us to, uh, you know, drink from the, the same bucket or drink the same champagne that our that our customers are. And what drew me here was the fact that we had the I had the opportunity to start from scratch. And so with so many companies that have, have a QMS in place, and you know, if there's there's issues to address, you got it's a construction project, and you start it's with bloated. the demolition, yeah. you know, and tear it all down. Where that wasn't going to happen here. And so I, I perceived it as a luxury, to be able to start from scratch and work with a whole bunch of people who come from the industry and whose product it is is to address these very issues and so luxury and kind of one of the big challenges that you know I maybe overestimated about how much expertise around quality management there was internally certainly within customer success team the gurus and some of the sales folks yep but when you talk about development and engineering and even some of the executive levels, our senior management, they're good at SaaS, they're good at software development, they're good at, you know, the, the, the sort of the software industry, not necessarily the medical industry and not necessarily making that connection like, oh, maybe we should be our own customer. And, oh, maybe this would benefit us. And so there were some challenges along the way. And some of those typical conversations that every quality, every director of quality has within their own organization to talk to folks within the different functions. They're asking, hey, what's in it for me? Why do I, why do I want to participate? Why do do we want to use this as a tool? So we, I had those discussions. I had those discussions inside a company that sells this stuff, and and, and that you know, and, and that was kind of, and, and that was kind of interesting. And, and of course, everybody was quick to climb on board because I just had to make that point. And, and so yeah. why, aren't we, why aren't we reaping the same benefits to, that we're telling our customers they will enjoy through the use of our platform? And so I had a nice internal sales stick that I could use, so to speak, yeah. to, to, to help drive it. And the other nice part was that. The processes, and, and I think a lot of our customers, unless they're real startup, run into the same thing, that the processes are in place yeah. to a certain degree and maybe most times just not formalized. But you know, quality management is not rocket science. And it's like companies just start to develop good manufacturing practices or good lab practices or good software development practices. And so they might be a little bit inconsistent. They might be a little bit hit or miss, some more formal, some less formal, but they're there. And so to my surprise, or maybe not to my surprise, maybe to my enjoyment or my, I guess it's the right word, that there were more there than I thought once I started digging into it. And really, I I, kind of came in and I conducted a gap analysis to to, say, what do we have? How far away are we? How big are these gaps? And there was more there. And so now you begin the process of formalizing that stuff. You know, Why do we have to do this four different ways? How about we pick a way? Pick, take the best of each of them, and let's let's come to consensus on a process. And there you go. Now you're in. Now you're in full full fledged into the, the the whole activity behind implementing a quality management system. So I almost made the. Maybe I did make the mistake earlier
1: in our conversation when I said, "Okay, we made it." Now what's the difference? That's not really the case. You don't just make it once you yeah. achieve that certification. Now what? What now yeah. that we've achieved ISO certification and maybe we can talk about in the context of Greenlight Guru, but yeah. also in the context of those companies who are ISO 1345, maybe the the different overlapping bridge concepts. What, what happens when you achieve certification? Are you there or is there more work to do?
0: Yeah, no, no, tons more work to do and every one of our customers face this and so it's it's a, it's very applicable to whether it's 9001, or 27001, or 1345 or or you know other industries if you're in in the aerospace or the automotive or or whatever. Absolutely applicable to them as well. Yeah, achieving certification is not the destination, it's the beginning. It's like our customers who need to comply with the requirements of a standard in order to market their products around the world, both management systems and product related. I don't want to say you check those boxes, but you demonstrate compliance and it puts you in a position to be able to fix the appropriate marking to your product or prove that there's systems in places to sort of control and to govern the work that goes on on a day-to-day basis. So same with us. That gets you, to me, that's a project being able to comply with the requirements of the standard or, you know, again, product or process gets you to the starting line. It draws the toe in the sand. and it, or, or, you know, it's if you're building a house, where do you start with the foundation, right? You build the foundation. Now you've got something to put the walls and the ceiling and everything else on. That's certification. It's putting that foundation in place. And armed with that foundation, now you build other initiatives. Now you build... Now you build processes to drive continuous improvement. Now you mature the systems. And typically what happens, and I'm sure with all of our customers as well, is there's there's a business strategy. The leaders of the business set a strategic direction. They define the goals for the business. And that exists up there. And then that somewhere along the line it's like, hey, we need certification for whatever reason, marketing reasons, customer reasons, regulatory reasons. Let's go get that. And it's treated as a a compliance issue. So there is this foundation that I just described, all these informal processes that are going on with the organization. You do a gap analysis to determine the the compliance between what you're doing and the requirements of a standard. You address those gaps, close those gaps, and you pursue, pursue certification. But it's not necessarily in line with that corporate strategy. And by maturing the system, I mean bringing the alignment between that management system that has just been implemented and the corporate strategy and ensuring that there's complete alignment between the two. And that provides a ton of energy, a ton of leverage, a ton of all sorts of things that the company that can enjoy or utilize in terms of now addressing market needs and customer needs and and on and on and on. So that certification is just the beginning. And then the fun really begins.
1: Can you give me an example of that disconnect between maybe that business strategy and the quality management system that you're talking about? I just trying to wrap my head around that a little bit.
0: Yeah, sure. So from a strategic perspective, to be well, our strategy to be the number one EQMS provider in the world. What you know, that's our vision. Okay, so how does that translate down through the organization? How does that create the alignment between that business, between that business goal, so to speak? and the work that's going on day in and day out down on the down okay. on the floor so to speak and it's really the quality management system that could be utilized to create that alignment so how does that that vision or that mission translate into some strategies let me back up just a sec how does that vision or that mission translate into something that's measurable how do you develop a strategy implement in order to achieve those targets or those goals or those measures? How does that strategy then translate into some specific actions that folks throughout the entire organization are doing sort of on a day to day basis? So the actions that we're doing on a day to day basis and are in lieu of, are not in lieu of, in support of, executing on a strategy to meet some targets to move the organization towards its stated goals and, and uh, stated goals, missions, visions, whatever it is. So in an immature organization, so one of the characteristics of high-performing organizations is that alignment, is really being able to demonstrate the alignment between a business goal, its measurement, how it's translated across the organization at different functional levels, how strategies are developed and then executed, deployed, and then measured. This, the surefire sign of an immature organization is is the lack, you know, is the opposite is having is having. Okay, so we achieved all these, we put all this stuff in place, and we achieved certification. How does that help provide leverage to move the organization towards its stated goals and missions? And for an Im- more immature organizations, that connection hasn't been made yet, and that's one of the things in maturing the system. Does that make sense?
1: It does. So my mind's kind of going a little bit of a horizontal direction. So. I- I hear what you're saying about the strategy connecting that, you know, maybe driving it down the commander's intent to the boots on the ground, I guess, if I was to speak in layman's terms. Sure. But then there's another aspect of if I just kind of zoom out and look at the entire business, you have your quality management system. We typically apply that to the regulations. Well. Going back to ISO thirteen forty five because it's what I'm most comfortable with, but as yeah. as it pertains to the development of that medical device, what about the other aspects of the business? You know, I know finance; they have their certain type of auditing. They probably have their own SOPs, documents, and so forth. Do you or what's your approach or thought on overlapping those systems? Is it one system, or is that another one of those areas of strategic alignment that you're talking about?
0: Yeah, that's it's absolutely one of those areas of strategic alignment because if the mission or the vision is to be the number one EQMS provider in the world, or for our purposes MLE, you know, to be a you know the the multi uh, the medtech lifecycle life medtech life cycle yes. life cycle <laughs> platform, so um, so you should just saying quality, then all of the functions that have a role in helping to us to achieve that target are part of the system. And so quality people have kind of done done it to themselves. And and, and the standard's a perfect example because the the term quality is in the title. It's not, it's quality management, but it's business management. There's aspects of the standard, 9,000, 1345, 27,000, all of them that affect all aspects of the business. It's looking at your business, like the value stream of the entire business and the inputs and the outputs of each of the functions that start with the marketing and creating the branding and creating awareness and having that translate into orders and activity now internally to meet those or to you know to provide product to meet those orders and those customers needs all the way to the after-sales servicing is all part of the the management system And so, while different functions might use different tools, and so from finance, there's you know there's there's plenty of regulatory requirements in finance, and they have their tools. Marketing folks have their tools. Sales folks have their tools. Engineers have their tools. All those tools in total just make up portions of the management system. And so, that management system should take them all into take take all those functional areas into account. We have SOPs. For finance, we have SOPs for sales, we have SOPs for marketing, you know, and, and the more traditional areas that you're thinking about in terms of product development, engineering, you know, all, all that kind of quality itself, all that stuff. They're all if there's a function in this company that has to do with meeting our mission and our vision, they're part of the management system. So I think I'm 95% behind
1: what you're saying. There's the, I want you to resolve the 5% for me. So there's a, Give it a, there's, try. a nagging, <laughs> there's a nagging question in my mind that says, "Okay, philosophically I agree with what you're saying, but at some point the FDA may come audit me and I would like to leave as much out of my QMS or my auditable system, I mean for lack of a better word, what they're going to look at, what they're going to inspect." As possible, just to kind of protect myself. How do you answer that question, or well, what does that look like when you talk
0: about including or not including something? Yeah. So, peace. I hear you, (laughs) and and uh, I'll agree with two and a half percent of that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you don't want to. Clearly, this isn't going to come out right. But the less you serve up during a regulatory audit, you know, almost almost the better in trying to keep things focused. But on the other hand, when we had our certification audit. Sales was included. Sales was actually a, like a half day conversation with our certification body, and and customer success was included, and, no and marketing yeah. marketing was included. So if it does get reeled in, because you know they're 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 auditing and they're pulling on the string and they're seeing where it goes, and it's like oh, so it's your sales team that's responsible for the contract review to do the to ensure that. What you're, you have the capability and the capacity to be able to deliver what you're advertising on your website or you know in your marketing materials. Why don't we talk to sales and let's understand how they're part of this process and what value or whatever the question is that they're bringing to this process. Better those policies or those procedures or those work instructions, those forms are in place. They understand their roles. They can talk to them and they can demonstrate the good work that they do as part of the system that is delivering defect-free software in our case.
1: Does that make sense? It does. It does. And so I guess the, I think I don't know if it's Phil Crosby who said this, but one of those uh, quality gurus, someone said quality is everyone's job. And I guess that's essentially what you're saying. If you want to deliver a quality product, it takes the entire company. Let me take a step back though. And I guess the philosophy that you're kind of telling me and that the two and a half percent in my mind didn't like at first was, or maybe this is the two and a half percent is arguing with is I guess... Maybe I tended to look at that quality management systems like we're just meeting a regulatory requirement, but the way you're approaching it is this is a business management system that helps our entire business run smoother and uh, more efficiently. Is that accurate?
0: Yeah, that is. You just hit the nail right on the head. And as it relates to the comment that we made earlier, that compliance piece, the project aspect of complying, all right, we're in compliance. We comply, and, it, and and we're going to continue to comply now until we create a new product or there's changes or updates or revisions to the existing products. Then we have to make sure, okay, we make making our product wireless now. Okay, let's make sure we comply with all the requirements for wireless. So now what? Now that we comply, we've been able to demonstrate that compliance. Do things stop? No. So now it's about driving improvement across the entire organization, the entire organization, you know, and all of the functional areas that have a hand in helping to create, well, certainly position us as the number one provider in the world. And so particularly on an ongoing basis. So once we've achieved compliance, boom, toe drawn in the sand, we're there, we've got the foundation. Now, how are we building cycles of improvement on top of that foundation? And why are we just going to focus on the aspects that, you know, fall are more the traditional compliant that we're thinking, you know, that we're, we're we're thinking of right now. Why not include the entire organization? And now, because it's not for regulatory requirements, it's for our own. Hey, we have the goal to be number one, and in order to be number one, we need to we need to be able to develop some disciplines around continuous improvement and how to set some new targets and how to not to not to view those targets as a brick wall, but to view those targets as something that we want to create create in a way that we achieve that target, and then good, you made a target, now boom, create the next target, achieve that target, now create the next target. And that's, that's continuous improvement. And that's sort of a characteristic between the good companies and the great companies, the top performing companies have that woven into the fabric of how they work every day, that continuous, that that eye on continuous improvement and and looking for those opportunities to be more accurate, more effective, more efficient, more cost, you know, less cost, whatever, whatever the case may be, and to see trends going in, you know, the right, (laughs) the right direction. Well, either way, I guess, whether the trend could be going in that, that goodness could be in either direction. But it's definitely, there's a discipline there. It's And to your point, it's not like culture. It's not just the responsibility of the president of the organization or the CEO of the organization. Weaving quality into how we work every day is not the role of the quality department. It's got to be everybody's responsibility in how we view our work and how we're open to the think about work in new ways and look for opportunities to help drive improvement. Yeah. And why limit that to the why limit that to to a couple of key or a couple of the the I don't know if key is the right word, but the obvious or yeah. Yeah, the obvious. Thanks. Yeah. The the, the most obvious functions. I mean, everybody can participate in that. So include everybody.
1: Yeah. No, that's a good point. Okay. So one of the things you mentioned though, there was about the continuous improvement. And I think when you're in quality, you kind of equate quality with continuous improvement when you're when you're living and breathing it. But from maybe someone from just a step away from that, what does it look like as far as the quality management system actually driving that continuous improvement. Do you have some examples of how that actually happens? How having a quality management system or a robust one drives that continuous improvement?
0: Yeah, sure. So it's about so as part of the quality system and as part of, let's say, the 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 compliance phase, you put you put processes in place. Those processes are kicking out data. It's inherent in the process and what we identify is the is the quality metrics what what are the what are the metrics to you as a functional manager as a supervisor of a certain function that allows you to know whether or not the process is effective so okay so we're now we're kicking out all this data and actually to our sign of immature immaturity process immature processes versus mature process most companies are collecting a lot of data that they're not using for uh, for decision-making or for the purpose of determining uh, how well something's functioning, which is mm-hmm. which is inefficiency, right? It's costing right. time. It's costing money. Stop, get that, drive that out of the system and stop collecting that data. Um, so that data that you're collecting, that you're utilizing to make decisions about the adequacy or the performance of your processes, are they adequate? From a quality management system, then going forward, it's about expanding that. Not better defining the metrics. The metrics are the metrics, but finding better ways to, to collect the data and finding better ways to identify gaps. You're looking for gaps in performance, right? So the metrics are telling you the data that you're collecting, you're viewing on a trend basis. For example, it's telling you, here's our le- here's our non-conformances, or here's our inventory turns, or here's the aging of our kappas or whatever the case may be. Here's our customer time it takes to respond to a to a customer complaint or our customer satisfaction data. So now, okay, so that's good. We've got the baseline. What is it we aspire to be? What, what, what is it we want to create? And it's almost, almost sometimes better or more, it produces better results to kind of begin with the end and understand, you know, like, so start with a clean slate. What is it we want to create? What do we want to be thought of in the industry? What is our performance levels that what is the risk we're willing to assume? What is what are all you know, ask these kind of good questions. And then based on what it is we aspire to be or where we aspire to get to, okay, now take a look at current reality and be brutally honest about the as-is state and how are we currently performing? And all right, so if this is what we want to create, and this is where we want to be, and zero defect really means zero defect for us, where are we? Are we, you know, is it is it two defects? Or is it 102 or 1,002? So now we know where we are and where we want to be, and we've 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 now recognized that gap, and it becomes then it's just a simple matter of okay, what does it take to close that gap? Creating the action planning, the assigning the responsibilities, putting the resources in place, making investments if necessary, in order to close that gap. So, when you see that
1: kind of gap, so where we we know where we want to be, we know where we are, we see kind of a considerable gap. I guess in my mind, that almost looks like the preventative part of a Kappa. What do you see as far as like handling that? Maybe on a tactical level, we kind of talk about the strategy, but but how does how does that happen?
0: Yeah, so you're you're exactly right. It's it's more closely a kind of akin to the to the preventative part of the kappa. The difference is the preventative part is really based on what most happens to most companies comes the the CA part, right? Yeah. So so something happened, there was an event and there was another event and there was another event and there was another event and we've we've we fixed it five times and how many companies stopped to go okay does anybody realize we fixed this five times last quarter you know <laughs> what is it within the system what is it within the process that's causing this variation and why isn't our process capable enough to produce accurate parts or or whatever it is so okay now let's look at the process and that becomes the the preventative part. Let's take action at a higher level on the process to improve the capability of the process to stop oh. fixing, 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 fixing. Yeah. And even better, more mature companies, it doesn't start with the CA. It starts with the idea of what it is it we want to create. There's always going to be fires. There's always going to be things to fix. And top performing companies are not in the fix-it business. They look at what it is we want to create and focus their resources on creating something that is better, more accurate, more efficient, more achievable, right? And then all those little fires and all those fixes go away because we've created something more capable, uh, a more capable, a more efficient, and more effective process. That all those fires and all those fixes just kind of went by the wayside now, and we don't we don't bother with those. They don't happen anymore. We've driven right. those out of our
1: system. This is kind of
0: blowing my mind a
1: little bit because when you think about the numbers of, you know, CAP is a big deal as far as the number of uh, companies that aren't doing it right. And preventive is not something you hear a lot. In fact, if you go to the FDA the numbers, it's, it's, I don't, I feel like it might even be an order of magnitude less of uh, preventative CAP is that than, than CAP, than the CA part. Yeah. But, and if I go upstream of that, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as why. So you ha- you're looking at the best, the best uh, practices where you know where you are, you know where you want to be. I think a lot of companies look at this is where we are. We have three or four defects per thousand. We don't want to get any worse than that. That, yeah. that like that like that's really what it is. And they're waiting for it to get worse so they can do the CA part. Whereas you're saying skip to the the preventive part. Almost you know let your QMS drive you forward.
0: Yeah, you know, if three or four parts per million or per thousand, whatever it is, is that's good enough? That's for you right now, and that's the risk and the investment. And because when you go from three or four down to two, you know, now you're you're talking. That's that's some investment that's going to be required, and you know, be, making things more comprehensive. But in, in in those cases where you don't perceive a gap, there's two ways to create a gap. It's either based on the data is suggesting it, you know, we're not performing where we want to be, or there's a strategic way to create the gap, which is create the gap, (laughs) you know, strategically (laughs) say, Hey, we want to be, we mean zero defect. You know, we mean, we want to be number one in the industry. We mean something that from a strategic perspective just creates the gap that needs to be addressed. So if, if you're looking at your processes and you think everything's under control, Create the gap. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody's perfect. Um, yeah, uh, but wait, I was gonna. Say, I was just gonna say. Oh, actually, you're talking, It's very interesting. You brought that up because you probably noticed today. We we um, there was a marketing piece that went out today, or a, a white paper that went out today from Nick. That was, you know, does your Kappa program? Does your Kappa program need a Kappa? Yeah, and, <laughs> and that's where most companies are. You know, it's sort of fix it and fix it and fix it and fix it, and that's the tip of the iceberg. That's the part we can see. It's the part we react to as opposed to all the rest of the iceberg that's under the water that you can't see. And that's the trick, right? Diving down below the surface of the water to say, what the heck is going on with the process? Let's stop fixing it. It's taking time, it's taking money. What within the process is causing that variation? And let's take corrective action at the process level, improve the process, make it more capable, and and we're, we stop to fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. Yeah, that's, that's,
1: yeah. that's so cool. So. I want to I want to go back and flip the question on my on its head a little bit. So we talked about once you get to ISO, whether it's 9001, 1345, either one of those, um, depending on the applicability, some of the best practices, what you do forward. That's your line in the sand. This is how you should move forward. Um, with with your experience, have you seen companies get to that point and then there are expected pitfalls that a lot of companies seem to get into you know like a lot of companies you just know once they get there they may slack off in xyz area but what are your thoughts
0: yeah there are there are definitely some pitfalls that you see and and so to me i guess that maturity aspect of the of the systems the question is so if if you're if you're abiding by the quality management system you know and the continuous improvement Sort of that's built into it, uh, you'll get there. So to to me, it's a question of sooner or later, you would think that the the processes will just mature to the point where you're like, oh, oh, now I get it. Um, So the question becomes, you know, like, how long does that take? And for some companies, it could take a, a career. You know, for other companies, it's like, okay, we get it. How do we utilize this management system as the leverage, as the stick, as a big long stick to help move the entire organization? Towards its its stated goals, you know, and objectives. And probably the biggest pitfalls along the way are, you know, I can think of two or three right off the top of my head. Um, so one, people get very busy doing right, the operations and it's just doing the work that needs to be done. And 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 that takes up their entire day and probably more, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and I I refer to, well, there's a lot of people that refer to it. I just certainly didn't make that up. But So that's working in the business. It's, it's performing the tasks that are defined for you. And that's where you come in, you put your head down, you do all those tasks. Uh, there's a difference between working uh, working in the business and working on the business. And working on the business is coming up for air and looking at what you're doing and doing and doing in that 12-step process that you're doing over and over and over again and, and kind of thinking about it. How can I think about this differently? how can i make this 12 step process an 8 step process with the same level or maybe improved accuracy and improved efficiency that will drive complexity out of the system out of the process that will reduce the number of errors that are that happen out of the process that that creates capacity which allows us to do more with the same level of effort so for management to send the message that working on the business is as important or or deserves enough of your time as working in the business. And really your day-to-day tasks are, are made up of elements of both and working in the business. And of course the work that needs to be done, but taking the time to think about what you're doing because nobody knows better than you do after you've done it for 10 hours a day, where the opportunities for improvement might lie. And so think about that and think about how can I improve this process or the outputs of your, the, the value added that you're doing the outputs of your value added become the inputs of the next next team down the down the line. There's lots of opportunity within that white space where you're doing something and you hand it off and the next group picks up and does their thing to it. What could I do better that makes the next step, the next sort of step in the process down the line more effective, more efficient, more accurate, more, more whatever. And you know, back to what we were talking about earlier now when you're viewing the organization as a value stream. And you start thinking about from a marketing to after-sales service and all those little white spots in between those handoffs and what we could do better in that area to improve for the next uh, the next group down the line, huge improvement. Huge improvements can happen within, within the organization. Huge opportunities for improvements, let's say that. So thinking about working on the business in, adi- in addition to working in the business, because uh, we all get so busy doing what needs to be done. And then just some of those myths, like, you know, it's management's not serious. Uh, you know, this will go away. You know, it's an extra thing to do. Nobody's, uh, you know, nobody's gonna, I don't have the authority. I can't make these kinds of decisions. I don't have Mm -hmm. the authority and and we could bust every one of those myths and every one of those little pitfalls that organizations just tend to fall in. And, and all that can be eliminated from the right kinds of communication from the top. Right. And, and the message, the message around to true quality and, So it is one of our core values. And we're very good at talking about true quality as it relates to our customers. What does that mean for us internally, right? How do we translate true quality internally to use as our own competitive advantage out in the marketplace? Uh, Because we're in a competitive market. There's a lot of companies that provide the same, same kinds of platforms. What's going to separate us? What makes our product the one worth buying? And so how does that message get translated from, you know, the top down again throughout the entire organization to say, no, it's okay focus on the business. And no, this is not a fad. And no, we're not just talking quality. You know, no, it's it's everybody's responsibility and creating the culture around quality. So communicating the right kind of communication and often communication, but, you know, creating clarity across the organization and alignment across the organization. So people know what the strategies are. People know what the targets are. People know how their tasks are are affecting that strategy. All that stuff can go away really easily companies aren't good at that stuff. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I love that you mentioned that working on the business versus in the business. It makes me think of a conversation I recently had with someone about the definition of work. You know, when you're a thought worker in some or whatever you want to call yourself. Um, I always saw, I was like, man, I just can't seem to work on the plane. I can't force myself to get the thing out and do it. So they said, well, yeah, I, I, I usually like to work on the plane. I'll read a book that I haven't been able to get to. I'm like, well, well, yeah, I read a book that's applicable to what I'm doing, but I never thought about that as work. But if what I'm reading could accelerate what I do when I'm doing my job, I mean, it is work. It's just a different kind of work. It's like you said, on the business versus in the business. Yeah. um, That improvement. I love it. Yeah.
0: Great. uh, Great example. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So any other recommendations or any, any advice? I mean, you just went through this process. Um, I I know we had a lot, you, you basically overhauled (laughs) it or not overhauled, you inspected the entire vehicle of Greenlight Guru. So I don't know if you, I'm sure you may have already done this before. Maybe you haven't learned anything, but I, I suspect that maybe you did any advice or recommendations you have for companies going through a similar
0: process. Yeah, so I guess, you know, I'm not sure I have those answers yet because I have been through this a few times before <laughs> so, and in trying to position, trying to position the organization, trying to keep, I don't know if this is going to come out right, but again, so we achieved our certification. And so there's a lot of folks that, you know, yeah. OK, job well done. We got it. We don't got it. We got the start of it and um, how to keep the. Um, keep that on the front burner and articulate the importance now of where we go next and how, how, the, what this means to the organization and how it fits into the organization and how the organization, how it provides the leverage for the organization to move, move towards its, it's stated, you know, to move towards the goals and objectives and the, and the vision and to be to develop that discipline around constantly achieving our targets and, and how to use the, so the, the energy that's created between setting you know defining the the should be or the could be and the as is creates a lot of tension you know and it's not intended to be tension that gives you the headache it's intended to be the intention that creates some energy in you know pulling us towards towards that goal and so how to recognize that tension how to use that tension as an energy source to improve the organization and not yeah not just as a as a Something to bat people over the head with, but as you know, I guess I you know not to not to go keep going around in circles, but to as an energy source and not not you know use your powers for good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> use that use that power for good. So yeah, putting those disciplines in place for being able to set targets, develop the the, the initiatives and the plans to achieve those targets, and, and and pat yourselves on the back and celebrate that win and set the next target and put yourself the company in positions to be measurably better next period next quarter next year next whatever than you were this quarter or this year and it doesn't have to be great big steps huge steps in improvement if you're measurably better next year than you were this year to me that's continuous improvement and there's a step function right And some years are going to be bigger bigger improvements and some years are going to be smaller but that builds a more sustainable future for the organization right a a brighter more sustainable future for the organization because we're continually improving and so um It's thinking about that continuous, it's it's the process around continuous improvement. So thinking about what the process, and there are tons of them out there, processes, models. It could be as simple as I just stated, you know, identify a gap, identify the actions that need to be taken to close that gap. Good. <laughs> but but doing that on a bigger level, you know, and doing it on, a, on an organizational level, as opposed to, hey, how do we reduce inventory? Fantastic. You know what? That's improvement. You reduced five turns down to three, you know, up to eight turns or whatever it is. That's improvement. It ought to be celebrated. But that in itself might not move the whole organization towards being number one in the industry. So I'm talking about coordinating all those improvements across the company to align with some very high level goals and objectives to move the entire organization towards its stated towards its stated goal so thinking about it on the grander level and building the disciplines around those processes that that put you in a position to be measurably better next year than you were this year I love that. If I was to basically distill what I've learned from you today,
1: I guess if into one thing, it's like you don't put your quality management system in the corner. It needs to align with the top level vision. I mean, you go all the way upstream to that vision. Like, is that really the true vision that you want? Is it attainable? For lack of a better word, is is it attainable? Is it true vision? All these different things, can it flow down?
0: The whole thing needs to be able to align. I, I love that. That's right. And that alignment just those are the top performing companies. Those are the top performing. Those are the highest performing companies that create that alignment and harness that alignment to just create incredible results. And that's what we're striving to do. And so that's for us. The so what is now, how do we put those processes in place that really start to drive some of those, those high performing processes and, and some incredible results.
1: Well, cool, Mark. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, and congratulations on reaching the beginning. Um,
0: was, <laughs> thank you so much.
1: I'm excited to see where the future goes. Um, This is this has been really fun for me, anyway. So, those of you who've been listening, you've been listening to the Global Medical Device Podcast. We'll put links in the show notes so that you can find Mark. I, you know, he's already he's busy, but I maybe he won't I'll mind. Reach out. If you reach out to him. Feel free to talk to him. Uh, he'd probably love to. Yeah, I know he loves to talk quality. So. Um, <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll let you all get back to it. We'll see you next time.
0: All right. Thanks, Antoine.
1: Thank you so much for listening. Just a few points that I took away from this conversation were achieving ISO certification is just the beginning. From then on, you need to can be continually dedicating yourself to continuous improvement. Your quality system needs to tie back to your corporate strategy if you really want to be as effective and efficient as you could be in the market. If you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you'll reach out to Mark Alpert on LinkedIn and let him know. Also, I'd personally love to hear from you via email, etienne.nichols at greenlight.guru, or look me up on LinkedIn. You can learn all about what we do if you head over to www.greenlight.guru. We're the only MedTech Lifecycle Excellence platform. And on top of that, we've built both a community and an academy where you can join the conversation or learn more about the things we discuss on the podcast. You can find both of those at, uh, well, I guess independently, community.greenlight.guru or academy.greenlight.guru. Maybe it's not independently, maybe it's respectively. Anyway, finally, one last thing. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us. It also lets us know how we're doing. Thanks again. Hope you all have a great rest of your week. The best medical device companies don't just follow the rules. They lead with quality. At Greenlight Guru, we try to do the same. Our medical device success platform is based on the latest FDA and ISO standards, as well as the best practices of medical device manufacturers who lead the industry with products of the highest quality. If you're ready to bring safer, better medical devices to market faster, contact Greenlight.Guru today.